Well, let's pray that God might open our minds so that we can understand the scriptures too. Father, we pray that your word might live in us and testify to the truth and that it might bear much fruit for your glory. Amen. Uh, Well, I'd said on Good Friday that beginnings are very important. Uh, Well, endings are also really important. They, uh, They make or break the story, don't they? Think of those stories or those films that leave you with just so many unanswered questions. Uh, Their endings are entirely disappointing and they just give you absolutely no sense whatsoever of closure. Well, I want to take you back just for a moment to uh, not the first Easter Sunday, but to the first Easter Saturday. And the grief and the despair and the confusion that Jesus' disciples must have been feeling. It would surely have been one of the longest and darkest days of their lives. Uh, They had left their families and their friends. They had left their uh, hometowns. They would left their careers, only for it to all end in the way that it did the day before. Death was and is so final that to, to believe otherwise, this would have been foolish. And yet, the disciples and Christianity claims that this was not the end, that in fact, Jesus was raised on the third day. Now, friends, let's just make this very clear that no other religion makes such an audacious claim. No other religion makes such a consequential claim. The resurrection of Jesus really is at the centre of the Christian worldview and of Christian devotion. In fact, without Easter Sunday, there's no Christianity. And uh, Paul makes this clear enough in one of his earliest letters as he discusses the resurrection. He writes, And if Christ had not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also, sorry, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. So let's just recap. Right? If Christ has not been raised, Christian preaching... Is useless. Your faith is useless. Christians are false witnesses about God. Christian faith is futile. Christians are unforgiven and left in our sins. Those who have died in Christian hope are lost. And those who hope in Christ are supremely pitiable because. 
our hope in Christ ends with this life. It's some sort of sorry version of the seven dwarves, right? Christianity without a risen Christ is pointless. On the other hand, if Christ was raised, that means that life under this sun is not meaningless, that the death is not the end, and that those who follow Jesus will follow him beyond the grave. Christianity, Christianity actually anchors its hopes for the future in an event in the past, that is the resurrection of Jesus. And while many suppose that the resurrection can only be uh, believed by faith apart from any historical evidence, you'll be glad to know that actually historians tend to disagree. And so we're going to spend two weeks um, considering the, the resurrection of Jesus. So this is part one of two, if you like. Um, part one this week, part one, assurances that Jesus is alive. I'm going to walk us through some of, the, some of the evidence for Jesus' resurrection. And next week, part two, since Jesus is alive, that is, what do we know now that we know that Jesus is alive? <clears throat> so part one, part two. So first, part one, assurances that Jesus is alive. <clears throat> and the first assurance is the testimony of the empty tomb. But I suppose before we can claim that this supports the case for the resurrection, we must recognise that actually it is a well-established fact of history. So unbelieving historians, believing historians, it is a well-established fact of history that Jesus died by crucifixion in the early 30s. Any historian worth their salt would, would concur. There's also a consensus that Jesus was buried in a tomb owned by Joseph uh, from Arimathea, a member of the Jewish court that sentenced Jesus. Now, this is very important because if you think about it, it gives us an exact location for Jesus' tomb, Jesus' burial, which means that if either the Jews or the Romans could have produced Jesus' body to nip this idea of the resurrection in the bud, not only could they have, but surely they would have. But uh, rather oddly, all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, are unanimous in reporting that on the Sunday after Jesus' crucifixion and burial, his tomb was found empty. And by several women. Now, the fact that this hasn't been erased from the Gospel stories actually gives it credibility. Because uh, in those days, women were not considered credible witnesses. Okay? They, it's fair to say they didn't celebrate International Women's Day in first century Palestine. Embarrassment is actually one standard that historians use to gauge the historicity of a recorded event. So if an author chooses to include an embarrassing fact that may hurt their argument, then it's unlikely that they're making up the story. And so the fact that the Gospel writers include the embarrassing detail that the women being the primary witnesses of the empty tomb shows the unlikelihood of the empty tomb narratives being fabricated. Do, can you see that? Okay. The second assurance 
uh, is the testimony of Jesus' physical appearances. And so on multiple occasions and under various uh, circumstances, different individuals and groups of people experiences appearances of a bodily Jesus alive from the dead. And so the New Testament uh, records 12 separate appearances over a 40-day period. And we read of a few of these in our reading. It's rather comprehensive. Mary Magdalene in John 20, Mary and the other women in Matthew 28, Peter, sort of alluded to here in Luke 24, two disciples on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24, ten apostles here in Luke 24, 11 apostles in John 27, apostles in John 21, all of the apostles in Matthew 28, 500 disciples, 1 Corinthians 15, James, the brother of Jesus in 1 Corinthians 15, all the apostles in Acts 1, and of course the apostle Paul. It's recorded twice there. It's quite the comprehensive list, isn't it? The third assurance is actually the testimony of Jesus' word. I'm not sure if you picked up on this, but say we read a few verses in uh, chapter 24 there, say verses 6 to 8, where the angel says, he's not here, he has risen. Remember how he told you? Do you remember how he told you that while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again? And then they remembered his words. They remembered what Jesus had told them. Or again, say, in verse 44, Jesus said, this is what I told you while I was still with you. This is what I told you while I was still with you. Friends, the, the events of Good Friday and Easter Sunday did not come as a surprise to Jesus. He had actually already predicted his own death and resurrection and explained something of its significance. The fourth assurance is a testimony of Scripture in general. And Luke Particularly, Luke is a doctor, okay, and Luke has done his homework, and so he's very interested in, in, in this emphasis as well. And so in verse 27, while the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, they, they didn't recognise Jesus. While they still didn't recognise him, Jesus, beginning with Moses, and if you're unfamiliar with the Bible storyline, Moses is way back, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, and then all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Or again, in verses 44 to 46, this is what I told you while I was still with you, everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. And then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And he told them this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. Which means the death and the resurrection of Jesus was not a plot twist. It wasn't a plot twist. It was actually the climax around which everything else was written. And the fifth assurance uh, we can glean from this passage is the the inner testimony or or the personal understanding or the, the personal conviction of the disciples, and so you would have picked this up, that the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, they they didn't recognise him, they were kept from recognising him actually, and then in verses 31 to 32, their eyes were opened, 
And they recognised him and he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we talked, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And then again in verse 45, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And so I suppose uh, that is some, though not all, of the biblical evidence uh, for the resurrection of Jesus. But there are other clues too. Think about it. These men went from dejected, dispirited, grieving followers of a crucified rabbi to confident proclaimers of a risen Christ who are willing to suffer hardship, persecution, and even martyrdom for the sake of Jesus and his gospel. And so the actual resurrection is the best explanation of this as well. And of course, how else can we account for the origin and the rapid spread of Christianity across the ancient world and its continued spread and growth over time? In fact, one author called uh, the resurrection the uh, birth certificate of the church. I like that, don't you? The birth certificate of the church. But the resurrection is not just the birth certificate of the church, it's its very oxygen. It is the unifying doctrine of the New Testament. See, the church's belief, Christianity's belief, that people can be forgiven for their sins justified, adopted into God's family as children of God by faith in Christ assumes that Christ has been raised. It assumes that he's alive. Still think the whole thing could have been some sort of elaborate hoax? Well, you wouldn't be the first. Uh, you may have heard of this before, but um, Charles Colson, convicted Watergate uh, felon and Christian convert, at one point wrote this. He says, I know the resurrection is, is a fact and Watergate proved it to me. How? Because 12 men testified that they had seen Jesus raised from the dead. Then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never denying it once. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned and put into prison. They would not have endured it if it weren't true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world and they couldn't keep alive for three weeks. Right? The human instinct for self-preservation quickly became overwhelming. And he says, you're telling me 12 apostles keep alive for 40 years? Absolutely impossible. Friends, the truth is that, I quite appreciated this meme throughout the week, you would have seen it perhaps, the truth is that lockdown never really worked around Christmas, around Easter. Now, I don't often do what I've done today. Okay, what I've done today is basically apologetics. Right? That is a defence for the Christian faith. But the resurrection is so crucial that it's important to put it out there 
that you may have confidence in its historicity. Now, if you are a believer, this gives us great comfort and joy and hope because Jesus' resurrection actually secures our own resurrection and the resurrection of our loved ones who have put their faith in Christ. If you were not a believer, then this might be alarming, the fact that actually there exists credible evidence that the resurrection of Jesus happened. And so it's a challenge to take the claims of Christ seriously because the resurrection proves that Jesus is who he says he is. You might be sitting here, perhaps you've been sitting on the fence just in your heart for years. Or perhaps today you've gone, actually, if this happened, then what does that all mean for me? See, if Christ was not raised, then the consequences for our fallen world are catastrophic. Without Easter Sunday, Good Friday is just another Friday. The death of Jesus would have no meaning without the resurrection of Jesus. Good Friday would actually have been the ultimate Black Friday. Death would not have been conquered, sin would not have been defeated, Satan would not be crushed. But as it is, Good Friday is good because Easter Sunday is credible, which makes Christianity extremely compelling. By dying and rising for us, the Son has closed the deal, and in raising him from the dead, the Father has signed for it. Which is, friends, why today of all days we're actually going to celebrate the Lord's Supper in just a few minutes' time. We're going to remember Jesus' death because Easter Sunday tells us that it was effective, that actually he accomplished what he'd come to accomplish. Stay tuned for part two. What do we know now that we know that Jesus is alive? Let me pray for us. Father God, we've been confronted today by the truth of the resurrection. And if we're sitting here today and we've had doubts, I pray that you might dispel those doubts and that you would have us come to you in faith. We thank you for, your, for Jesus' resurrection and all that that means for us, both now and forevermore. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, we're going to sing uh, again today.